continue on in boundaries. We've been on this for a few weeks, and I've probably got a couple weeks left. Tonight Tonight has the potential of really stepping on some toes, really not in a bad way. I don't think I'm going to necessarily throw anybody off the rails, but it might, if you, I, I think anytime you come under the, the teaching of the Word, be open, and be open and be ready for a change every time. But today might be a little bit, a little bit more because it may identify something in you or in someone in your life. Um, I want to encourage you not to be quick to point the fingers at other people that have boundary problems, but point the finger at yourself. Um, Never when we come under the word is it a time to shine the light on someone else. It's a time to shine the light on you. It says if you'll stop worrying about the speck in your brother's eye and worry about the log in your own, you're going to be okay and you're going to have enough to deal with. If you'll just deal with yourself. So as we've been talking about boundaries, again, it's easy to see boundaries. Boundaries are fences. We see them in the physical world, hedges. You can usually even tell between your yard and our neighbor's yard. In fact, over the last weekend, we had a tree come down in our neighbor's yard, and Elizabeth said, is that on our yard or not our yard? I said, no, it's not our yard. Look, their yard's greener. You can see where the line is. You could literally see it. We could tell who's who whose was it and who whose isn't but that is a literal boundary we can tell where really the the intention of a land boundary is to determine where your land ends and your neighbors start same thing in the spiritual world the lord has given us spiritual boundaries so that we can find out where i or me where i end and where someone else begins And to be able to identify when someone is stepping over or if I am stepping over. The key verse for this entire series is guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Don't forget that boundaries are not walls. Boundaries need to be able to breathe. They need to have gates. They need to be able to let good in and keep the bad out. Okay, we're not doing what Donald Trump is saying and building a wall to keep the enemy out and Hispanics are not the enemy but we are to have and I'm sorry I even brought that up I cringe anytime I even talk about politics because it's divisive to be honest with you it's I'm not going to go any further I'll leave it at that but boundaries define us they define what is me and what is not me so what's within my boundaries? We've been looking at, at uh, a few topics what's within my boundaries we've gone over our feelings our attitudes and beliefs, our behaviors, our choices, our values, our limits. Last week, we talked about our talents. You may say, how does a talent separate us? Because I am good at something that maybe you're not, and it creates a little bit of separation, right? And you're good at something that I'm not. It's why we're all needed. If everybody was alike, one of us wouldn't be needed, God puts you you and your spouse together because you're different. If two of you were the same, one of you wouldn't be needed. So talents can separate us or can, can show us where I end and where someone else starts. Our thoughts and our desires. That's where we, where we left off last week. If you want to pick this back up, if you've missed some of the weeks, go to the website and you can stream it right from our website. Uh, you can download it to your iPod or your iPhone or whatever device you have. And catch back up. Uh, I got through with all of those boundaries except for one. And the last one is love. And I'm going to show you how love can create boundaries. Because our ability to give and respond to love, 
to give and respond to love is one of our greatest gifts that we have. The heart that God has fashioned in his image, this heart that God has fashioned in his image is the center of our being. And it is our ability, its abilities to open up to love and to allow love to flow outward are crucial to life. But many people have a difficulty giving and receiving love because of hurt or of fear. And what happens is they close their hearts up to others. And what comes with that is a feeling of emptiness and meaningless, a meaningless life. And the Bible's clear about both functions of the heart, receiving of grace and love inward and the flow of love outward. Look what the Word of God says. It says in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and verse 39, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And just two scriptures later, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's talking about Loving, outward loving. Let's look at inward, how we are to receive. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Do you see this, that, that, that the heart operates in two different ways? Even in the physical, our physical heart, it must operate both ways. It must pull the blood in and it must pump the blood out. If one of those functions stops, you die. You can't be one way. It can't go one way. Our hearts, just like our physical one, needs an inflow as well as an outflow of lifeblood. And just like the physical heart that we have, our spiritual heart is a trust muscle. We have to be able to give trust. We have to be able to receive trust. And it has to be pumping both directions. And if ever we're hurt in that area, it's hard to recover. Sometimes we never recover. Trust is one of those things that once it's broken... Sometimes people can never get back on track. Whether the other party that messed up is trying and doing right for the rest of their life, we get an injury and our heart stops pumping like it should. You know, have you ever heard where people's parts of their hearts are not functioning right? And it's hurting their entire body? What happens in the physical is happening in the spiritual. Our hearts get broken and we can't function. And we wonder, we wind up frustrated, and we wonder why we are where we are. We have to take responsibility for this loving function of ourselves and begin to use it again. Love concealed or love rejected can both kill us. But so many times people do not take ownership of the way that they resist love. They have a lot of love around them, but do not realize that their loneliness is a response, is a result of their own lack of responsiveness. 
So many times they'll say, others' love can't get in. And this statement negates their responsibility to respond. It just makes it okay. We maneuver subtly to avoid responsibility in our love. And we need to claim our hearts as a property, as our property, and begin to work on those areas in our life. We've got to start working on receiving love. I can tell you it's easier for me to give love than it is to receive love. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to it tonight, but I'm going to have a good example of how that happens. So I want you just to think for just a minute and just ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit, maybe ask your spouse, am I having a hard time receiving love? Or am I having a hard time giving love? We need to get close enough, we need to get to the people that are closest to us that will tell us the truth. Yes, I think you have a hard time receiving love. Okay. I need to work on that. I know that I do. I know that there are areas in my heart that are not pumping at 100%. You know, our, our, we get blockages. We get blockages in the physical. We get blockages in the, in the spiritual. We definitely get blockages in relationship. Amen? Okay, so we're going to move on now from what has been our boundaries. And we're going to start talking about um, categories of people that are battling uh, boundary issues. So, the first one, our compliance. Now, I want you to try hard to say, is that me? Saying yes to the bad. Anybody ever had that problem? Saying yes to the things you needed to say no to? One thing that we cannot do as parents is teach our kids that they cannot say no. I want you to know that there, there, was, a, there was a time in education where they said that it was unhealthy to, let your, to tell your children no. God says no. Our Father God who loves us, who knows what's best for us and for our nation, knows how to say no. No is a good word. Should I let my kids play in the street? No. Should I put them in compromising situations? No. Should I put myself in compromising situations? No. But when we teach our children that they can't say no, we're teaching them that others can do to them as they wish. We are sending our children into a defenseless, into a world that is so evil. Evil in the form of controlling and manipulative and exploitative people. Um, Evil in the form of temptation. And to feel safe in such a world, children need to be able to say words like, no, or I disagree, or I will not, or I choose not to, or stop that, or it hurts, or it's wrong, or that's bad, or in this to an extreme, but it's really not. I don't like it when you touch me there. Those are healthy responses. What's good is when, you, when a child says no to you and you don't agree, it is a teachable moment. 
to be able to hear where they're coming from. They're trying to say something's wrong in my system that's making me not want to do what you're asking. Okay. Instead of smacking them, say, you do it just because I said to do it. Wait a minute. Opportunity for us here. Now, ultimately, we do need to teach our children to make good choices and to be obedient and to learn how to follow their parents. That's biblical. The reason that the Lord chose Abraham is because he said that he would lead his family in the way that they should go. Right? Do you know that? Do you know that's why they that's the that's what the Lord said when he was making the Abrahamic covenant, why he chose him? Because you will lead your family. Leading is hard. Leading is hard. But allowing people to say no and disagree with you is good leadership. It's not bad leadership. When husbands and wives don't agree, you better figure out how to work that thing out. You're not going to agree. That doesn't make you a bad husband or a bad wife. It means you're not two clones. I can tell you if someone cloned me, I would disagree with me quickly. It is in my, it is in my makeup to just disagree just for the sake of disagreeing. I just like to get a rise out of somebody. I, it's just, I, when you, whenever you do personality testings on D's, D's just like to push. Just can we push each other for just a minute and then we'll stop until I'm ready to push again. And I'm not trying to be mean, it's just, just how I am. I want to mix it up. But when we block a child's ability to say no, it handicaps that child for the rest of their life. Adults with this handicap that have this first boundary injury is they learn to say yes to bad things. This type of boundary conflict is called compliance. Compliant people have fuzzy and indistinct boundaries. They melt into the demands and needs of other people. They can't stand alone, distinct from people who want something from them. This isn't a great analogy, but they'll never pick their own restaurant. Or movies with their friends because they just want to go along. Minimize their difference with others so as not to rock the boat. Compliance are chameleons. After a while, it's hard to even distinguish them from their environment. And this inability to say no to the bad is pervasive. Not only does it keep us from refusing evil, it begins to train us to not even be able to recognize evil. Many compliant people realize too late that they're in a dangerous or abusive relationship because their spiritual radar becomes broken. And they have no ability to guard their hearts. This paralyzes, this boundary problem paralyzes people's no muscle. Whenever they need to protect themselves by saying no, the word gets caught in their throat. And this happens for a bunch of reasons. I'm going to give you a few of them. A big one is for fear of hurting the other people's feelings. Or fear of abandonment and separation. 
fear of being rejected. I mean, can you see, can you see what, something that's just flashing in my mind right now is peer pressure. Saying yes to the bad just so that they're not rejected. Their no is broken. A fear of someone else's anger. I can tell you, I've done this to my children. I've used intimidating things to try to get my kids to do what I'm asking them to do, to scare, scare, scare them. And what that does is make a compliant, a person that battles compliant boundary issues. Fear of punishment, fear of being shamed, fear of being seen as bad or selfish, fear of being unspiritual, fear of one's overstrict critical conscience. And that last one, overstrict critical conscience, um, winds up causing people to experience guilt. People who have an overstrict critical conscience will condemn themselves for things God Himself doesn't even condemn them for. Do you follow that? Someone that falls under this covering, under this compliance boundary issue, winds up feeling guilty for things that God doesn't even make you, doesn't even doesn't even convict you of. He would never condemn you. The Word of God says that He doesn't condemn us but he doesn't even have issue. We wind up having issues with things that God doesn't even have an issue with. Paul says this in uh, 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 6. No, I went backwards. Sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. It says, since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Afraid to confront their unbiblical and critical internal parent, they tighten appropriate boundaries. When we give in to guilty feelings, we are complying with a harsh conscience. This fear of disobeying the harsh conscience translates into the inability to confront others and saying yes to the bad. I think that we have misread Scripture when we believe we cannot confront others. I want you to know that when Jesus was telling his disciples that this is going to happen to me, and Peter says, no, it's not. That's not going to happen. I want you to know that Jesus confronted it right there in his face, right there. And he did it in a pretty harsh way. What did he say? Get behind me, Satan. People can call me a lot of names, but if they called me Satan, I would probably have a problem. You can call me a lot of stuff. You know, we all grew up in our own generation of calling each other names, whatever it was when you were whatever age. When, it was, when I was whatever age in my teens, they were harsh words, but I, they just bounced off of me. It's just how we talked. But if somebody called me Satan... Uh, that crossed the line. And if Jesus called me Satan, I think I'd be saying, um, that kind of language doesn't normally come out of your mouth, Jesus. Uh, I think just the previous time I was just talking to you, Jesus, I just said, uh, you are the son of the living God. Do you realize that was all kind of going on at the same time? Peter makes an awesome statement, and the Lord says, you have heard from my Father in heaven with that statement. Way to go, Peter. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Jesus, you're not going to die. 
Get behind me, Satan. Whoa, something just terribly went wrong. But I want you to know that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, full of mercy and compassion, confronted what was wrong. Confronted right then what was wrong and addressed it in love. There is a way to confront in love. Everybody say amen. We can confront in love. Biblical compliance. Can we talk about that? Biblical compliance needs to be distinguished from this negative compliance. Matthew 9.13 says that God desires compassion and not sacrifice. In other words, God wants us to be compliant from the inside out. Compassionate, not compliant on the outside and resentful on the inside. Compliance take on too many responsibilities and set too few boundaries, not by choice, but because they're afraid. Let me go ahead and just hit one more, then we'll stop. I've got, there's, there's three, and I'll hit one more. The next one is just the opposite, and it is avoidance. Avoidance, saying no to the good. The first one was compliance, saying yes to the bad. Avoidance, saying no to the good give you a uh, just an example. Family starts a Bible study. It's been going on for six months. This family prepares, has the curriculum, has their home opened up every single, uh, every single week. These families are coming in. They're finally starting to get to know each other, um, starting to love on each other. And instead, of, it, during prayer request time, instead of just talking about Sister Susie, these families start to open up. How many of you know it takes a little bit of time before you really start to open up. Why? Because that trust muscle is working. Can I trust you? Can I really trust you? Are you, are you going to open up? If you'll open up a little bit, I'll open up a little bit. Next thing you know, here it all comes. Now, these families, there's four or five families in there, and then this couple that is the host. And these families are all opening up, but the host isn't. The host, the host's wife is just sitting there, and they, they're all going around the table, and then finally it comes to them. And she won't share. And she eventually shares. I, th- I think the Lord has just shown me that my problems really aren't that bad and y'all's are a whole lot worse. And do you guys want some dessert? Now, I can relate where I'm pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. But when it's time that I need, I don't receive. I don't even know how to ask. I can tell you this is going to sound so dumb, but as a pastor, sometimes it feels weird to have other people pray for me because I feel like I should be doing the ministry. Not in a, not in a high and mighty way, but in that's what, that's what I'm here for. I think that the same thing can happen to leaders, to teachers. I think the same thing can happen when the Lord really moves in you and calls you to an area that you don't receive from that area. If you feel called to... Uh, missions, but you can't allow people to pour into you. Can't even receive five dollars when you're desperate for a, for five dollars. Do you follow me? Avoidance, even though they're pouring out, shut down the ability to receive. And what winds up happening is we wind up saying no to the good. People are beating down your door trying to get in, and you won't let them in. We shield away, we shy away from opportunities. 
This boundary is avoidance saying no to the good, the inability to ask for help, to recognize one's own needs and to let others in. Avoidance withdraw when they're in need and they don't ask for help. So why is this a problem? Because the heart, at the heart of this struggle, of this boundary, are walls. We have put up solid walls that cannot be penetrated. And these walls, have, these boundaries have to breathe. There have to be fences and gates to let the good in and the bad out. Individuals with walls for boundaries can't let the, the bad out, can't, let the, can't get the bad out, nor can let the good in. No one touches them. God designed our personal boundaries to have gates. We should have the freedom to enjoy safe relationships and the ability to avoid destructive ones. God even allows us to have boundaries, to set boundaries, to let him in or close him off. Do you know that? That the Lord allows us to move within the boundaries that we set up. Let me just show it to you right here. This is a scripture you're gonna know. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and he with me. He's not going to force himself in. He waits for us to open the door. Have you ever tried to help someone that doesn't want help? You're wasting your time. You probably wind up making stuff worse. Even though your heart is to help, the Lord stays on the outside until you open that door. When you open that door, he comes in. So many times when people have these boundary issues, I'll tell you that the people that have the walls up, it's not your job to go break those walls down. Your job is to pray. We are never called to go Tear, tear other people's walls down. You're called to pray. You want those walls to come down? Pray. Don't force yourself in. People that force themselves and try to climb over my walls, man, I'm, I'm gone. It'll just make my wall be taller. I'll think, oh, I need to build a taller wall. I have such a struggle with with people that try, especially as a pastor, that people are saying, this person's going through this. And I'm like, look, they haven't asked me for help. I can't go knock on their door. I never see where Jesus went door knocking on people's lives. Hey, you're in sin. Can I come in? The woman at the well didn't even come up until deep into the relationship. The woman at the well, Jesus said, I'm wanting some water. She's like, well, where's your, where's your bucket? This is deep. Oh, honey, the water I've got, you'll never thirst again. Where's your bucket? Well, I'm not talking about that kind of water. What I have, you'll never thirst again. And as they started to talk, he just said, where's your husband? Well, I'm not married. Oh, you're right. You're not married. And if you can see, the dialogue began. And even at the end, he didn't say, you heathen woman full of sin and five husbands and living with the other one. Nope, he loved on her, gave her what he had to give, and that was it. He didn't run after her. He didn't go follow her down, make sure she did everything right, which I'm sure she probably, I don't know what she did. We don't know what she did. But do you see that sometimes we've got to wait until someone opens the door? 
Have they opened the door? No. Then stop walking in. How would you like your neighbor to come walking in with you not having the door open? Do you know I've had that happen? Had my neighbor walk in my garage and walked in the door with one of my kids. I'm like, what the heck? Am I allowed to say heck? It's probably thinking worse. And had to go get in between my child and that person. Uh, you need to turn around and walk back out. I'll be glad to talk with you outside. But go, go back out. I didn't invite you in. This is weird. You just invaded. You just crossed my boundary. Boundary. I didn't do that. I, it was fine. But think about it. We need to be thinking about both ways. Are my, do I have walls up that people can't get in? And am I crossing people's walls that aren't, allow, aren't asking me in? Both are wrong. Is this too much? Okay. <laughs> I know this is a lot to take in, and there's not a whole lot of response going on here. But I want you to know that God has no interest in violating our boundaries so that he can relate to us. Did you hear that? When we start violating people's boundaries to get them to relate to us, what is that? That's manipulation and control and trying to have our way instead of someone offering what they have to offer. Instead of someone saying, hey, here's the door. I open it up to you. And when we violate that, what we cause are issues of trust. All of a sudden, the people cannot trust us anymore. It's our responsibility to open up to the Lord. Open up. He says, if you'll just open up your heart and let me in, I'll come in. But I'm not coming in if you don't open up your heart. And do you know that avoidance, avoidance people have trouble allowing the Lord in? It's not just, a, just people. When we have trouble with people, we have trouble with God. When we have trouble with our Father on earth, we have trouble with our Father in heaven. So, I'll stop there. So, I just want to ask you to be praying about compliance, saying yes to the, saying yes to the bad, and avoidance, saying no to the good. Let me just pray for you.